Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you for showing up here tonight and getting us answers to questions. Father, I thank you for the anointing and giving me utterance. Father, I thank you that you give each individual a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you and your word. Father, I thank you in advance for all the good that's going to take place in our lives because of what uh, we hear tonight from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, El Shaddai, part 17. We're in this character of God series, and we're in Exodus 6. So jumping off spot. Exodus 6 and verse 1 says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I'll do to Pharaoh. With a strong hand he shall let them go, and with a strong hand he shall drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of El Shaddai, or God Almighty in the English. But by my name Jehovah I was not known to them. So, up until the time that Moses was having this conversation with God, he had only revealed himself to his people as El Shaddai. And we all know that that's Almighty God who bountifully nourishes and supplies me with more than enough. Now, he didn't name Joseph in this list. Joseph is fourth generation. He's the first guy that actually had to figure out how do I get God to show up and be El Shaddai for me. just didn't fall on him. Because remember, he, he got sold into slavery. And then he, uh, go, um, yeah, and uh, he uh, was de- finally made it to the top of his, you know, the food chain as a slave. And then he got thrown into prison. It got worse instead of better. So he's like, God, I'm a covenant man. What's going on here? So right, that that, ha- that took place over 13 years, 11 years as a slave. He gets thrown into the huskow. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, uh, two years in the huskow, right? And then, then uh, we saw last week where he was promoted to be really the most powerful man in the world because Pharaoh said, only in my name, in my throne, am I more powerful than you. Everybody has to do what you say, including me. Well, I mean, and he was only 30 years old. I mean, that was the short, that was the fast track to success. Right? It didn't look like it those 13 years, though, did it? But he picked good instead of evil. We won't go over that all again. But here's where we left him off. Uh... Well, we're going to back up because I have to slide it. We're going to tie up some loose ends with some of these covenant folks that we've been talking about. Uh, and tonight we'll kind of tie up some loose ends and see how it fits in the timeline. So let's go back to Genesis 39 and verse 20. This is where, uh, well, just read it. And Joseph's master, that's Potiphar, took him and put him into the prison and the place where the king's prisoners was bound. And he was in that prison but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the prison keeper. Now Joseph was 28 years old. He'd already been 11 years as a slave. Gets tossed in prison. He's 28 now. And I will go right into Genesis 40 and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt, because he's my butler, and the baker had offered their lord the king of Egypt, and uh, Pharaoh was wroth against both of his officers and against the chief butler and against the chief baker, and he put him in the ward of the house of the captain of the guard and into the prison where Joseph was bound. Now let's back up to Genesis 35. Right in the middle of Joseph being in prison by the time he was 28 to 30. He was 29 years old when this happened. Genesis 35 and verse 28. And the days of Isaac, y'all remember him? Were 104 score, 180 years old. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob, who were 120 at the time they buried him. Life's still going on just because Joseph's in slavery and in prison. He's not the only thing going on in the planet. He's not the only thing going on in the covenant. This should make you feel happy because whatever you're going through, 
don't worry, you're not alone. There's other stuff going on. Other people are in the covenant. You're not alone. That's good news. We feel like we're alone a lot of times. We're not. And Joseph, he physically was alone, but he wasn't the only thing going on in the covenant. Remember that. God's moving people. He's moving parts. He's moving pieces. You're just one cog in the wheel. It's a big picture. Don't feel alone. God didn't hang you out the dry. He's working on stuff. He's putting stuff together. Maybe this was happening. Joseph had no idea. Okay. Now, back to Genesis 41. Now he's 30. Joseph is 30. And it came to pass at the end of two full years, it's fixing to be a happy day for him, that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. This is Pharaoh. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name. Now remember that he already promoted him. He's out of jail. He's 30 years old. He's now the prime minister. And uh, Pharaoh called Joseph's name in verse 45, Zaphnath Paania. I would have just stuck with Joe. That Egyptian thing a little over the top, Pharaoh, but whatever, you're Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh gave him to wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Now he's got some pagan wife. And Joseph went out all over the land of Egypt. Remember this is where we left off last week and he had the chariot. Remember Air Force Two? He gave him the second chariot and they had a crew going in front of him telling everybody, bow down, here comes Zafnath, Panania. Hey, Joe's on the way, bow down. So he, now he's jamming. He's the prime minister. He went from prisoner, zero, to hero, prime minister, overnight, just like that. 30, Okay. So now he's jamming. He don't even know Grandpa died. It ain't even on his radar screen. Well, watch. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, and he went throughout all the land of Egypt. So now Joseph, he's going to go do, remember, the seven years of, of good that he was supposed to gather up all the corn and all that? Now he's doing it. And so there were seven plenteous years in the earth that were brought forth, the earth brought forth by handfuls. They, you know, the earth is bringing forth stuff by handfuls. The earth was. Part of, part of our deal is that the earth will bring forth for us. That's part of our inheritance, that the earth produces for us. Okay. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which are in the land of Egypt, and he laid up the food in the cities and the food of the field, which was round about every city. He laid up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left off numbering, for it was outnumbered. So much that they didn't even count how many bushels it was anymore. He's got warehouses. He, I mean, he put Walmart's distribution center to shame. This guy's got so much warehouses everywhere. I mean, every time he turned around, he's building another warehouse and he's storing corn in it and silos. And there's so much they can't even count it. That's a lot. And in verse 50, it says, And Joseph... To Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine. So they're in the years of good. Now, he's on top of his game. He's, you know, he's probably just breaking into feeling all the power and the authority that he has, and everything's going real good. But you know, right now, if he doesn't do all this, if he doesn't step right into it and he doesn't gather this corn the second seven years, they're going to know that he didn't do his job. So he ain't got time to be like, you know, hanging out, goofing off, just enjoying himself. Okay, because he's got to get the job done. That's why Pharaoh put him in charge. Because his work began when he got there. When he came into all that wealth and that, all the good, the prosperity, the bounty, all that, that's when his work began in, in earnest. Okay? But while he's doing that, he has two sons born to him. From that, you know, pagan girl, Asana, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of Ona, she bare unto him. And Joseph, now he's 31 years old when this happens, Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. Now watch this, because what's that name mean? It means this. 
For God, he said, hath made me to forget all my toil and all my father's house. He names his kid God who caused me to forget. You know that word toil in the Hebrew? It sounds an awful lot like evil. Wearying effort. He caused me to forget all my wearying effort. He caused me to forget all my worry. You know, there would have been some days where Joseph would have been worrying that 13 years. Probably that first one when he got thrown in the pit by his brothers. Probably started right then. Hard labor. Remember all the toilet scrubbing he started out doing? He said, God made me forget it. All the misery. That's all part of this Hebrew word toil. Misery. All the pain. All the sorrow. All the trouble and the weariness. When we said last week, you don't weary in well-doing. You know why God told us don't weary in well-doing? Because He knows you would. I mean, Joseph probably got weary in well-doing. I would have about the time they threw me into jail for not, you know, doing what they accused me of doing. But, you know what, he dusted himself off. He probably had a day or two where he was like, and dusted himself off and got right back on it. And now look, 31 years old, he's got his firstborn son. He said, God caused me to forget it all. All the pain, all the junk, all the weary, all the worry. Oh, and you know what else? On top of that, he caused me to forget all them knuckleheads that threw me in the pit. Losers. No, he 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 don't he don't he don't hold nothing against them anymore. His life got so good overnight that he don't even hold nothing against the people that screwed him over. That's how good God is. Now I'm going to preach to myself for a second. It took God 13 years to show up as El Shaddai for Joseph, but he didn't have anything written. He didn't have anybody going in front of him. Shouldn't take us that long. It ain't going to take me that long. I promise you. Because I ain't, I ain't putting up with it for 13 years. I'm about done right now. All right, verse 52. And the name of the second, so now he's 36 years old when, uh, when the second one was born. And his name was Ephraim. And he, that's why, because he said, For God caused me to f- be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Well, that sounds a lot like evil too, doesn't it? Affliction is, means depression, misery, and trouble. That's all on the evil list. He said, Now my second boy is born. I'm 36. His life's doing real good. Now he's six years into being the prime minister. He said, God calls me to be fruitful or prosperous in the land of my affliction, the land of evil. So if you're going through affliction or depression, or pre- he said, don't worry, El Shaddai, you know El Shaddai? He calls me to be prosperous in the middle of all that. I like it. I like this guy. He's in a foreign country. He got no support group. He got nothing. Except who? El Shaddai. I like it. All right. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. Now, if he didn't listen to Ramah and that keen edgy plan of stocking up all that stuff, not only would he had a real tough time coming up, the whole planet would have. There's a lot hinging on you following through in your keen edgy plan that God gives you. You don't even have any idea how many waves out, that it, how many people it affects when you don't be obedient. We, we don't know. Joseph had no clue either. He didn't even know Grandpa passed away. He don't, when you're in the middle of it, you don't know big picture. We're just trying to get through. Thirteen years, Joseph's just trying to, you know, make the best of being a slave or a prisoner. Then when he finally got Raymond, he's on it. Now that's seven years, he didn't take his pack off and be like, I made it. Woo, y'all. Piggin', piggies, serve me. Give me some, you know, massage. T- Michaela's always saying, tickle me. Tickle my feet. Tickle my back. Rub my back. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, Joseph could have just sat around getting fanned. He's in charge, ain't he? He could have done all that. No, nope, but he stayed on his keen, edgy plan. And, and because of it, the whole planet was all right. The known world at the time. Okay, in verse 54, And the seven years of dearth, dearth Vader, and the seven years of dearth began to come. And according as Joseph had said, the dearth was in all lands. But in the land of Egypt, there was bread. Why was there bread? Because Joseph stuck with his rhema. Now, you know, the temptation, I mean, with all that plenteous, how much of the temptation would have been there to just like go overboard and gorge yourself and, whoo, we could overspend and plenty, but it wouldn't matter. All restraints are off. Except God already told him, hey, there's another thing coming. Do this so it'll get you through that bad time. Did God make the bad time come? Nope. God in His mercy warned him and told him what's going to happen so that he could get through the bad time. So that in famine, he'd have plenty. There was no harvest for seven years. I, you know, I'm sure that, you know, we're going to find out the other end, you know, Israel, you know, Jacob, remember those guys and his sons? If I was Jacob, I'd be like, what's going on here, God? We're covenant. I can't get a harvest out of this land? I thought you was El Shaddai. Because Israel at this time, he's 128. Let's go through it. Reuben's 43. I got these written down because I can't remember them. Simeon is 42. Levi's 41. Judah and Dan are both 40. Naphtali, Issachar, and Gad are 39. Zebulun and that Asher guy are 38. And Benjamin is 30. Life's still going on. Joseph's gone. We don't even hear anything about them. We're going to hear a little bit about what happened with Judah because he's the bloodline. Wasn't too, wasn't too pretty. We'll find out here in a second. Well, let's just keep reading. Where did I leave off? Verse 54. Seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph has said. And there was dearth in all the lands, but on the, in the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Oh, Pharaoh, what are we going to do? Well, the Bilo is out. Publix has ran out of bread. What are we gonna, there's no food anywhere. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, so he got CNN there and Fox News and MSNBC, and he put out a press release, primetime, I'm sure he preempted, you know, all the, you know, Survivor and American Idol and all that. And, and this is what he said, Egyptians, don't talk to me about nothing. Go on to Joseph. See how he passed the buck? He said, don't talk to me. Jo Joseph's the man with the plan. He said, go on to Joseph, and whatever he saith to you, you do that. Now, Pharaoh meant it when he put Joseph in charge. In fact, he's like, no, I, ain't, I put Joseph in charge seven years ago. You ain't going to pin this on me. J J Joseph. Now, you know, at this point, all of Joseph's, you know, laziness and not putting together the plan and executing the plan, it would come out. A lot of people, a lot of people depended on him being diligent that first seven years. And they were dependent on him being diligent those first 13 years. Before those seven, weren't they? Because if he hadn't, he'd never been in the spot to where God could use him to be diligent in saving the whole planet. And in verse 56, And the famine was over all the face of the earth. Yea, even American Indians all the way across the ocean didn't have nothing to eat. That's what it says. And Joseph opened all the storehouses. Now he had a lot. Remember, they were without number. And sold unto the Egyptians. Time to make some cash. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt 
to Pharaoh. Is that what it says? No, they came to Joseph. Who's the most powerful man in the world? Joseph. Who's got the food? Joseph. So you know, what's the golden rule? Whoever has the gold makes the rules. Not in this case, whoever has the food gets all the gold. Because if you want to eat, do you see where God put him? El Shaddai. Most powerful man on the entire planet. You know how old he is? He's 39 years old when all these people, two years into the famine, because 37 when the famine started, we're two years into the famine now, he's 39. That's fast track. And not one shot was fired. Alexander the Great had thousands of people wounded and killed, and they had, they had to fight blood to, to become the most powerful man in the world. And even then, there were still some places that he hadn't conquered. Joseph with El Shaddai, most powerful man in the world, didn't do nothing to hurt anybody, take over anybody, nothing. Most powerful man, not one shot fired, no wounds. He didn't even have to go anywhere, really. They all came to him. Hmm. Kind of like that. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph to buy corn because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. All right, now Joseph has been gone at this point 22 years. Now we're going to look at Judah for a minute. Judah was 20 when they threw him in the pit. Judah's now 42. So this thing, all of what's going to happen in here happens within those 22 years around about that time. Okay? So let's back up. When Judah was a young man in chapter uh, Genesis 38. In verse 1, And it came to pass at that time, that was the time that, that Joseph was sold to the Midianites, it came to pass at that time that they sold Joseph into slavery, that Judah went down from his brethren and turned unto a certain Adullamite whose name was Hera. So here goes Judah. He's like, I'm sick of all you people. And, and here's one of his drinking buddies probably in that motorcycle gang that he joined, he went and hung out with him. I mean, you know, sometimes your buddies are closer to you than your brothers. I got buddies that are closer to me than my brothers. That's what's happening. Judah's like, I'm sick of all y'all family. I'm going over here. A couple problems with that is this guy's not a covenant guy. But watch how tight these two are. I mean, they're like Batman and Robin, okay? And so while he's partying with Hera, in verse 2, Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. So he takes Shua's daughter and he went in unto her. Yeah, that's a problem. Didn't Esau take a Canaanite woman? Didn't that what that caused a whole lot of problems, didn't it, in the whole covenant line thing? Hmm. Well, in verse 3 she conceived. So I guess I got to have that shotgun wedding because it never talks about them getting married till about five verses later. So she conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Ur. Okay, go to the next one from there. All right. Ur. Okay, so where's my little... Th okay. Whoop, whoop. All right. So here we are over here in Adullam. That's where, uh, that's where that guy Hero was from, Adullam. Remember, they were about right up over here somewhere when they sold Joseph. And so he comes down here to uh, uh, this town where he hangs out with the Adelamite Hera, and that's where he finds a girl, the daughter of Shua, and they name their kid Ur. Now down here, remember Beersheba, that's where Abraham had his wells. Remember that? And Hebron right over here is where Isaac had his stuff, 
and Shechem up here and then over here with Sukkoth. Remember where Jacob built that house and that ranch when he told Esau? Yeah, I'll be right down. And he turned right and went north. Okay, so just so you have an idea where everybody's at. He left up, man, they're all spread out all over the place. He's over here where they're not. All right. Now I got that first kid, Ur. And I, you know, I guess it was a good time because in verse 4 she conceived again. And she bare a son and she called his name Onan. And yet she conceived again. I guess there wasn't a lot of movies or stuff to do in Adullam. So she bore another son and called his name Shelah. And he was at Chazib when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn. So some time had to pass. Now, about 22 years went by, so I'm, ha- I'm imagining this probably happened. He, so he's 20 when he meets the chick. They have the kid right out the gate, whatever. So probably this kid is close to 19, 18 or 19, and that puts him right around 38 years old, Judah, 38. Not unheard of that if you're a 38-year-old, you could have your, you know, your kid get married. Okay, so he takes a wife for him. He don't let him pick. He picks. He's like, I like that chick over there for you. And her name was Tamar. Male order bride. See how it worked out. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord. Shocker. Now, I mean, you know how bad the covenant people were. This guy's out of covenant. You know he's bad if God's calling him wicked. I mean, we got Abraham pimping out the wife twice, sleeping with Hagar, child out of wedlock, you know, on to high. Then Jacob cussing, stealing, you know, chewing, uh, getting, ripping people off. Uh, uh, yeah. So this guy's got to be bad. Well, you know, Judah, he's partying up with his motorcycle gang buddy. Then he finds a chick that he's not even married to that they, she gets pregnant. That's from Canaanite. So he ain't living the covenant. He hooks up with the chick who ain't living the covenant. They have a kid. So... How many know he probably wasn't really a good parent at 20 since he was still doing the motorcycle party and gang thing? And then so he finds another chick to marry this kid so we can all go on double dates. I'm sure she was probably in the group of the motorcycle partying group. And so he's wicked. Shocker. Jacob's asleep at the wheel parenting these guys. Remember when the brother Simeon and Levi went up and killed all the, the whole town? Right. So... Why should this shock us? But this is covenant patriarch people. This kid Ur must have really, really been bad, okay? Had to be. Because look at the next thing is God had enough of him and said, and the Lord slew him. Aren't you glad? Oh, see, we get, God, how come you're not here very fast? Sometimes you should be glad God isn't here very fast. God, how come you didn't show up, El Shaddai? You're God that's more than enough. Well, sometimes you want him to be a little slow with the more than enough. How many know killing him was probably more than enough? That was the end of him. So we should be happy sometimes when God takes his time showing up if we're not really all in with the covenant. All right. So, in verse 8, Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and marry her and raise up seed for your brother. And Onan said, knew, Onan knew that it would not be his heir. It doesn't say heir in the King James, it says it in the Hebrew. So Onan knew that the seed would not be his heir. Man, that's going to be my brother's kid. Why would I want it? Nah, 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 nah. I'll get my own wife, thanks. But he didn't say, no, I'm not going to sleep with her. He went ahead and knocked boots anyway. Oh, he didn't turn it down. He jumped right back in. Because look, and it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife, he said she's a pretty hot chick, that he spilled his seed on the ground. 
lest that he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, so God killed him too. Now, let's just take a second, because people say, see, birth control will get God all upset. No, that ain't what upset God. What upset God was, Judah's the bloodline. If Tamar don't give birth here from one of Judah's kids, the bloodline's done it. Because she's in, she's in the cut. I mean, Judah is the bloodline for Jesus. Lion of Judah. If these guys keep messing around and spilling seed on the ground, y'all know what that is, right? Okay, it, keep going. The bloodline's over. Y'all right? They just got it? Okay. Well, I'm trying to keep it family-oriented. This is the Bible. There's no way around it, guys. I mean, y'all didn't know the Bible was like this, did you? Huh? You just throw it right here, right in the middle. Of, oh, man, okay. Anyway, so the thing that displeased God is the bloodline stopped. All right, so now we got two brothers dead. Judah's not doing too good. Maybe the third one will work. What do you think? And so Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at your father's house. Why don't you go home to your daddy? Just stay a widow until uh, Shayla and my son, be grown. Well, Shayla's only like a year younger than the other one. He's 17. See, Judah's afraid he's going to get killed by God too. Must be the woman. Every time one of them boys sleep with you, they die. Until she let my son be grown, for he said, lest peradventure he die also. <laughs> Man, he come in and sleep with you, he's going to die too. He's just a boy, let's wait. let him get a couple more years. Lest peradventure he die also like his brethren did. Now, do you see how torn up Judah is about his evil sons getting killed? Remember Jacob sitting in his boxers for 22 years, would not be comforted. Judah's like, well, hopefully this one won't die. I don't know how much he's drinking, how much he's smoking, but it ain't working right. He's like a few bricks shy of a full load. Because he's like, well, I hope this one don't die too. This is Judah, lion of Judah, bloodline. Whatever your issues are, they're not that big. All right. So when Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house, so she's going to go over there. She puts her little black, you know, widow's stuff on. She don't date. Now, she's only probably about 18, 19, too. And in the process of time, a couple years pass, that the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. So they finally eventually got married. Maybe it was just common law. I don't know. Because now it's, it does call her his wife. She died. And Judah was comforted. <laughs> this guy just don't get too upset about people dying. He's like, well, yeah, she was a good woman while she last. <sighs> Feeling pretty good. And he went up to his sheep shears in Timnath, he and his friend Hera, the Adelamite. Let's go up and see what the sheep shears are doing. The old bag finally kicked it. Let's go drinking. And it was told to Tamar, saying, Behold, your father-in-law goes up to Timnath to shear his sheep. That must have been what they called going on a bender. Shearing sheep. Oh, babe, we've got to go shear the sheep. Right. Uh-huh. It's a five-keg party. All right, so go to the next one for me, Mayor. All right, so here's where they were. And that's where Timnath, was, uh, Timnath is right up here. 
So it's not that far. Okay? Just want to show you. That's where they go. That's where their little uh, moonshine shack is. Or whatever, you know, the hunting lodge. They call it the sheep shearing shack. Whatever that they called it, but that's where they were going. So he could get comforted. All right. Verse 14. So Tamar, she put away her widow's garments from off of her. And she covered herself with a veil. And she wrapped herself. And she sat in an open place, which is the by the way to Timnath. So she sits on a road somewhere out in the middle. Of the, and she puts on her, on her, you know, strappy heels and her mini skirt. Oh, she puts a veil on her face so she, no one can see who she is. She wrapped herself. She'd be looking good. And she's standing out in the way by Timnath. And when she saw that Sheila was grown, because she saw the third boy was grown, and she was not giving him to wife. So she did what Judah said. But now Sheila, so a couple more years passed by, Sheila's 19. Well, he should have been already over here to take over, you know. She's like, I'm done with this grieving business. So she put on her, you know, strappy heels and her miniskirt. And she put her veil on. And she goes, oh, I got something for Judah. Going, sheep shearing. That's quotes for everybody on the CD. I'm doing quotes. Because shearing sheep was a euphemism for drinking, apparently. And so there she is. She's sitting. And when Judah, in verse 17, came by and saw her, he thought her to be a harlot. He said, hmm, hooker. Uh-huh. Because she had covered her face. Now, <laughs> this kind of goes against whatever the Middle East custom is now. It, because back then, if you covered your face, you were a hooker. So if you were wearing the veil, that means open for business. I'm red lighting. Kind of throws a thing in all that, you know, those religious people that always have their head, the women must have their head covered. Well, back in the day, that meant you were a hooker. For all you just can't go to church without having your veil on. It meant something totally different at the beginning of the covenant, okay? Well, that'll mess with some folks in this town. And so he's walking by and he said, hmm. Hey, Hira, you see that? And verse 16, he turned unto her by the way. He said, i got to make a left turn, buddy. I'll see you up at the shack. And then he says to her, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. Everybody know what that means? He's propositioning her. For he knew not that it was his daughter-in-law. And she said, Now they're negotiating price. What will you give me that you would come in unto me? And so he says, uh, I'll send thee a kid from my flock. She said, uh-huh, I heard that one before. We're going to do nothing on credit here, big boy. You'll send me one, huh? Uh-uh. You with the police? You got a badge under there? Are you wired? You trying to hustle me? She said, no, 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 no. What are you going to give me until you send me the kid? What's a pledge? You got to give me a down payment, baby. Because I heard that one before. You know, Tamar, she's been around the block a little bit. She didn't get suckered in with that I'll send you a kid business. I'll give you a lamb. Oh, you'll send it to me. Mm-hmm. Now, see, this is what really happened. It's really part of the covenant. It's in the Bible. He's all say, oh, God's boring. What, now, what do you think God's thinking of this whole time? Be like, this is my covenant, people. Do you know what? He ain't got nothing else to work with. That's how you know Ur was really bad. The dude is about to go sleep with his daughter-in-law, whom he thinks is a hooker, and he's paying her for sex. 
This is Judah. You know, house of Judah, lion of Judah, king of Judah. That Judah, sitting on one of the 24 thrones, that guy, that's it, this is him. You feeling a little better about yourself? You ought, you ought to start sitting up straight and be like, eh, alright God, you and me, we're a whole lot better off than this here. I got... So don't, whatever you think, that whatever hell tries to tell you, the devil tries to tell you, oh, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve riches, honor, and life. Oh, you ain't getting it. Be like, nah, I ain't Judah. And if Judah got it, hey, how am I, you know, so just shut up. Tell hell shut up. And then bring him back here to Genesis 38 and start reading it to him. This is one of the covenant patriarchs. Here you go. I'm doing all right. See, this proves out what I tell you every week. God isn't nearly interested in your behavior as he is in that you believe him. If he was, we never would have got... You know what Ur's problem was? He didn't believe God. He couldn't have had any faith in the covenant. Because I can't imagine what more wicked stuff than you could do. The guy, they killed a whole town. They sell their brother to slavery. He hooks up with the biker chick. Has three kids. Hooks his first kid up. Then Now he's sleeping with the daughter-in-law thinking that she's a hooker paying her for sex. But Ur was wicked. Okay? That guy, it has to do with faith. Do you believe God or not? Are you giving him your attention or not? Not your checklist? It can't be. All right, so Judah saw she was, you know, hooked, feeling, he's like, how much, you know, and she said, ah, no, you're not getting it on credit in verse 18. He said, well, what pledge shall I give thee? See, this is a negotiation back and forth. Well, what do you want? She said, that's a nice Rolex you're wearing. I was, she said, what about that signet? Now, the signet, Back in the day, that was a ring that they wore that had their seal, their logo, and they would stamp, you know how like we would sign our name on a credit, they would just stamp, you know, in ink or wax and use that ring. That was his signature, that was his ID card, that was his social security number, that was all, you know, birth date and all that stuff. Wrapped up into that ring, when he did, that was it. She said, give me your credit card, your debit card. Basically, he just handed her power of attorney. Every Now, he's got a lot of wealth. Remember Jacob? How rich that guy was? Oh, now that they're back in the land, remember he got the birthright double shot of blessing from Isaac, and Isaac died. More wealth. And they had so much wealth that they got that whole city to buy into. If we could just get a piece of it, we'll circumcise ourselves. How much wealth does Judah got? Now, handing that ring over, the power of attorney for all his estate, all, he must have wanted to have sex pretty bad with this hooker. big dummy he's just lucky it was his daughter-in-law because what if she really was a hooker be on a spending spree uh, she would have bought a yacht and well i've been cruising the mediterranean right and every port stamping that ring everywhere she go i have caviar and don Perignon, and there to go that ring bing 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 judah 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 you imagine the bills that guy would have got So not, the ring just ain't enough. She says, and I'll take your bracelets too. Oh, and that staff that is in thine hand. I'll take your, you know, your sheep shearing staff. And so he gave it to her. And he came in unto her. And she conceived by him.
she must have kept his attention long enough so that he wasn't thinking about, you know, birth control methods. It was unprotected sex. Look how I'm just, this guy is not thinking right. And he gave all his, he put all his wealth, all his authority, area, and then for what? Ten minutes? Maybe fifteen. With the hooker. He's lucky it was his daughter-in-law. Because his whole life would have been ruined in about ten minutes. Imagine the tabloids would have had a field day paparazzi with Judas. Never mind. All right, here we go. Verse 19. And so she arose and she went away. Whoop, I'm out of here. She got home. She laid her veil from behind her. And she put on the garments of her widowhood. She back in daddy's house. She put the black dress back on. She'd be like, it's all good. Hey, how's it going, daddy? Must have been just a quick trip. Nobody noticed she was gone. She's trying to play it like that. In verse 20, So Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend, the Adelamite. Remember his drinking buddy, Hira? He says, here, go send that. So they got to be pretty tight. They're drinking buddies. They're going to shear sheep together. Now he's sending him to make the payment and get his stuff back. When you get the kid, don't forget to get my ring back. You know, because we can't pay for those five kegs unless I get my ring back. Well, Judy, you big dummy, what'd you do that for? Can't believe you gave her your ring. I mean, come on, just a hooker. And his wife just died. Quality person. So, Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend the Adelamite to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he found her not. So then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where's the harlot? Where's the hooker that was uh, here by the wayside? And they said, we're a family town. There is no harlotry going on in this place. We don't have any adult clubs. Look, I know you boys up there at Tim Knight that you're sheep sharing. We don't have none of that down here. This is a family community. Looking for a whore around here. There ain't one. So, verse 22, Hera returns unto Judah said, I can't find her. And also the men of that place said, there's no harlot there. Judah said, hmm. Well, let her keep my stuff, says in the King James. Let her take it to her. Let her keep my stuff, lest we be ashamed, lest we become the laughing stock. We don't want to go around that town asking where the hooker is, because we'll look pretty stupid. Just let her keep the stuff. I'll get a new ring. I'll call all the credit card companies, tell them that ring don't work no more, and I'll get a new one. He said, besides, I sent the kid, and you didn't find her. We tried to pay her. Yeah, once I get a new ring, that thing won't be worth anything. She'll be bouncing checks. Ah, the sheriff will pick her up for you know fraudulent you know check writing. Don't worry about it. We tried to do the right thing. Couldn't find her. Now verse 24. And it came to pass about three months later that it was told to Judah, and here come the rumor mill, faster than email, because three months, it would have taken, about taken three months for anybody to find this out, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the hooker, and behold, she is with child by whoredom. She done hooked herself. She turned a trick, and now she... You know what that child is called? A bastard. That's an illegitimate child. Just put that on the back burner. We'll get to that in a little bit. Now look at Judah. Now Judah didn't say nothing like, oh, it's okay. You know, we're a rough and tumble crowd. You know, I did leave her sitting over there for a couple years. He don't say nothing. Look what he says. He said, bring her forth and let her be burnt. They're going to burn her. Nice guy. Okay, she gets burnt. For being a hooker, and you, you did the honorable thing by trying to pay a hooker, and you couldn't find her, but that's okay. Judah, 
Lion of Judah, King of Judah. Huh? You remember that? Bloodline. Now, if God ain't for real, why would he even put this in here? See, he ain't trying to hide nothing. God's transparent. He, he ain't playing smoke and mirrors. Everything all perfect in God's world. Apparently it's not. And when she was brought forth in verse 25, watch this now, she's a smart little girl. She sent to her father-in-law saying, Oh, by the man whose these are, am I with child? Discern, I pray thee, whose are these? This signet ring and these bracelets and this staff. Do you know who this stuff belongs to? Because whoever this stuff belongs to is who's the father of my bastard child. You wouldn't know who this stuff belongs to, do you? You got that steak ready for me to be burned on yet? Dad. And Judah acknowledged him and said, Jinky Scoop, they are mine. (laughs) What do you know? There's a forger out there making a ring just like mine. Uh huh. Now watch. I'm trying not to laugh because this is just so ridiculous. Can't believe it's in the Bible, to be honest with you. You thought your family was dysfunctional? It's not a problem. Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I. You think? I don't know. You know what the word, remember what righteous is? It designates who's in covenant and who isn't. He just said, she's been a better covenant keeper than I've been. This is big because this hinges on everything that this story is about. It's about God being El Shaddai. Now watch how God becomes more than enough for this little girl who was a better covenant keeper on a covenant she knew nothing about. She got brought in on second generation. Her first two husbands were wicked that God killed them. That might get your attention about this covenant thing a little bit. But she was a better covenant keeper than Judah. You know Judah. Lion of Judah, Lamb of Judah, King of Judah, all that. That Judah. Tamar, better covenant keeper than Judah. Remember, God's God, El Shaddai, God is more than enough. He said, she's been a better, more righteous, a better covenant keeper than I have. Because that I gave her not Shelah, my son. Now see, there's the root of the problem because it's all about the bloodline at this point. And he knew her not again, or he knew her again no more. It means he didn't have sex anymore after that. He repented and he got right, apparently. And it came to pass, in verse 27, the time of her travail or labor, behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass, when she travailed or labored, that one put his hand out, and the midwife took and bound around his hand a scarlet thread, saying, This one came out first. Now, why is that a big deal? Firstborn, birthright, and all that. Now, I mean, you know, that, that firstborn thing ain't worked out too good for the covenant people in the past. I'd almost rather been like, don't tie that on me, put that on my brother. Because they're, they're, and then the hand goes back in. And it came to pass that he drew his hand back, that behold, his brother came out first, and said, the midwife said, How hast thou broken forth this breach be upon thee? Therefore his name was called 
Ferez or Perez, which means he broke forth in the gap. He saw a gap and he jumped in it. Sounds a lot like Jacob with Esau. He saw a gap in the old blessing and he jumped in there. So did this guy. Only he's a baby. And afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zerah, or the rising toward the light. Now, let's go to this next one, Humor. This is, remember our covenant chart? This is the covenant family tree chart. Y'all remember it? Got over back here, we got Noah and Shem, Eber, the Hebrews, and we got Abraham, Isaac, remember Esau blew it, down to Jacob. Here's Jacob's boys, there's Judah. Jesus comes out of Judah. The bloodline, go to the next one for me, Mary, comes out of Perez, the one that came out first but really was the second one. Now, I'm going to read this genealogy. We're going to probably, well, I don't know. I always say we'll finish early. but Now watch this, because here in this genealogy in Matthew 1, it says this in uh, verse 1. This is the book of the generation of who? Jesus Christ. This is Jesus' bloodline. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham begot Isaac. We know that, right? Isaac begot Jacob. This is the bloodline. We know that one. Jacob begot Judah. Get that guy that slept with his daughter-in-law who was a hooker? Playing That guy? Bloodline of Jesus. God has his name. Wouldn't you like your name? To, I would love to have my name in this little bloodline thing here. And they name his brethren, but they just say, and his brethren. That's all the other cats. So Judah, that's, you know, who knows what the other ones were doing. If Judah was that bad and he was in the bloodline, my Lord, who, who knows what Levi and Simeon were up to. Judah begat Perez and Zerah of who? Wow, she was a better covenant keeper than Judah. Her name, do you see many other females' names in there? This pagan lady came out of Canaanite, Canaanite woman, named in the bloodline of Jesus because she was a better covenant keeper than Judah. Now, it doesn't say that she, what she did to keep that covenant or what she did to have what her relationship was with God, but apparently it was enough for Judah to say she's a better covenant keeper and it was good enough for Jesus to be in Jesus' bloodline. This is El Shaddai. Now, you know what would have been the guy that would have been just enough? Would have been that she had the kids and she had heir and that she was taken care of. More than enough, you're in Jesus' bloodline. And you're named with all these men. Covenant patriarchs, her name is named with the covenant patriarchs. In a world where women were just obviously not looked at as anything but property. El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough, not only took a pagan who was outside the covenant, a woman who was just property. She played, you know, had to fight her way to get back in the bloodline, and God rewarded her, not just with kids and all the inheritance, because how many know she was taken care of financially after that? Judah did right but now she's named in the bloodline. Then after Pharaoh, he begot Esram, and Esram begot Amram. And just let's keep reading the next one. I don't have it here, but okay. And Amram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Nason, and Nason begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz of Rach, of uh, Rachab. That's Rachel, uh, not Rachel, but uh, Rahab. 
We will look at Rahab when we get there. Do you all remember who Rahab was? She was also a pagan woman. She was a hooker. She was the one that hid the spies in Jericho. Tamar, Rahab. Then look. Who begat Boaz. Boaz begat Obed of a Midianite woman who was a pagan who wouldn't leave Naomi. Obed beget Jesse. Jesse beget David the king. David, Jesus, son of David, son of Abraham. Between Abraham and David, three women are named pagan women that all gave their covenant attention to God. And he was more than enough. He names them with all these men. They're the only women named. Every one of them, not Jewish. Outside the covenant. That's pretty cool. Now I want you to see something. I went through all those names, not just to tell you the, uh, these women, but also if you count the generations, there's ten generations from Perez, who was a bastard, to David. David is the tenth generation after Perez. Well, why is that a big deal, Andrew? Look in Deuteronomy 23. This is going to kind of tie into Sunday's uh, series on worship. Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. He that that is wounded in the stones (laughs) or hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. (laughs) Look, I wasn't looking for that verse. This is the verse I'm looking for. Uh, We'll just forget that verse. A bastard... (laughs) All right. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. So if you're a, if you are an illegitimate, <laughs> it is rough. <laughs> okay. Whoo. All right, we're off verse one now. We're to verse two. Okay, I'm sorry, I even read verse one. Kick me in the jimmies. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Just reading the Bible. Don't shoot me. If you're a bastard, I don't even, should I read the NLT? No. No on the NLT. You'd be glad I'm using the King James. All right. Let me try. All right. Bastard child. After, if you are an illegitimate child, for ten generations after you, you're not allowed to enter into corporate worship. You're not allowed to come with the congregation and worship with everybody else. You're not allowed. For ten generations. David was the tenth generation after Pharaoh's. Look at Psalm 122. Shed some light on this. This is a scripture all of us can quote, but now it'll mean something to you. And I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. He's the first guy in his family in ten generations that could enter into corporate worship. 
I was glad when they said unto me, David, you can go. Go on. You're allowed. Ten generations. That means Jesse couldn't go, or Obed, or Boaz, none of those guys. They could not go corporately worship God. So we take for granted coming to church and corporately worshiping. We don't even really think nothing about it. Imagine if you weren't allowed to for ten generations, not just you, not just your kids, your grandkids, down to ten generations, not allowed. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. I'll bet you that guy didn't miss a service. And I'll bet you his daddy told him, you ain't, don't you miss a service, I ain't allowed to go. How long in their family have been talking about till we get to go to church? Till we get to go corporately worship? This is the bloodline of Jesus. All the way from Tamar, when she had Pharez, to David, they couldn't enter into corporate worship. Wow. That's rough. But that'll tell you why David's, I mean, David's heart with him and his test, God's testimony of David, he's a man after my own heart and he did all my will. Even all the junk that he did in the middle. Why? Because he was so excited that he could publicly express love and gratitude and devotion and adoration to God. There's something about coming together and publicly expressing to God how much you love Him, how much you adore Him, how much gratitude you have for Him, and how you're devoted to Him. Can you imagine if we, if we couldn't do that? I can't. Weren't allowed. Not the government didn't say it. God said it. Sorry. Can't come in here for ten generations. Wow. But I love, I love that Judah could finally see what happened. See, when he was presented with it, how many know he could have just went ahead and killed her and nobody would have known the difference? He could have just been, no, just, you know, go ahead and burn her. Because she privately sent that stuff to him. She didn't do it out in the open. He said, man, she's a better covenant keeper than me. I better get back on with this, God. See, it's available to you to turn at any time, to, to get back with your covenant, to, no matter what it is that you went through, whatever, junk. Because look, we're all God has on the planet. There's no other game He's got in town other than Christians. And there's very few of them that will actually give Him their attention and really truly worship Him. So the ones that do, he don't really He overlooks a lot of stuff. It don't really matter to Him what your shortcomings are. Because remember when we saw on Sunday that the Father seeks what? True worshipers. All He's seeking is somebody to show Him love and affection and adoration and gratitude. And so when He finds somebody that really does that, He don't care about your behavior checklist or what your shortcomings are or where you blew it and how you missed it. He don't really care. He's just thrilled. It's just like you with your kids. You can overlook a lot of stuff when they're telling you, I love you. That's why Michaela, when she gets in trouble, she goes, I love you, Daddy. I love you. Hold me. It's true. That's how God is with us. What an awesome, more than enough. More than enough. And he took these, these. really we looked at Tamar and we'll look at the other ones as we go through the Old Testament, but he took those three pagan women and he made sure that their names were named 
in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. That's a big deal. Huge. People run around on this planet trying to, you know, if they're, you know, related to Babe Ruth, they'll run around making a whole career out of being Babe Ruth's long lost relative. They will, or whoever it is, you know, but Thomas Jefferson's relatives and, you know, George Washington's relatives. Oh, the Washingtons and the, the Vanderbilts. And everybody's trying to, hey, man, you know what? I was Jesus' great, 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 great grandma. Because they were covenant keepers. You know, our name ain't going to get on that list, but it'll be on the list on the other end of it. That we're out of Jesus, we're, we're one with Jesus. That there are great, 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 great grandma. And how many know they're in that cloud of witnesses cheering us on? And you know what? They wish that they had what we have available to them. They didn't have anything available to them like we have. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have all this Word written down. They didn't have... Their spirits weren't alive unto God. They were just soul and body. What a great position we're in that God has put us in. Let's not forget that. It's huge. Huge. And our names are written right there in the Lamb's Book of Life. Somewhere down the list, on the next couple pages after there, it could be a scroll half a mile down. But you know it also says in Psalms that your name is on His lips. Your name. That's why I said Jesus is a faithful and true witness. What does a witness do in court? They talk. They testify. And if His name or our name is on His lips. That's a big deal. That means before the Father, He's saying your name. That's good stuff. Hallelujah. Well, stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank You and praise You for how good You are. I thank You for being the God that's more than enough in every area of life. Thank You. We love You and we appreciate You. Holy Spirit, just come alongside us this week and put in the forefront of our remembrance how much God does love us and what our position is in the covenant. Help us to remember that when life is kicking us in the teeth and when it looks bad. It doesn't matter what it looks like. That Our God, covenant God, El Shaddai, the one that's more than enough, yeah, He's our Daddy. Help us to remember that. In Jesus' name, Amen.